Well, good morning, y'all. I'm Tim, one of the pastors around here. It's so great to have you here this morning. Did you know that uh, the, the first Sunday in every February is one of the most attended Sundays of all the year? That's because people go to church to pray for their team. Now, there are some of you who are praying for, and there are some of you today who are praying against. Just out of curiosity, how many people in the auditorium today are rooting for 49ers? Raise, raise your hands. 49er fans? There's one or two of you. How many Chief fans? How many of you don't care? Oh, yeah, I, I, all you just raise your hands. I understand when the Cowboys can't be in it, it's like it doesn't even need to happen, right? Some of, some of you people in here are just mean. So for those of you who just booed, you really need to listen to the sermon today because uh, I am now preaching it to you. So... All right, it's, it's great you could be here. We, I, I think we're going to do this thing. Um, I have a picture that we're going to show, a slide we're going to show on the screen of uh, Pastor Ephraim. Do we have that slide? Did, did, that, did that make it? I think it did. Is it working? We're doing a couple. Is it there? Is it there? They're working on it. Well, in the meantime, did you hear about the guy who walked into... No, I'm just kidding. All right, I guess that slide is, there it is, there it is, all right. Here, I just wanted to tell you real quickly about this because uh, sometimes when we're, in a, when we're in a particular location, we, we kind of forget about the world around us. This, this guy right here and his family, that's Pastor Ephraim and his wife, Megan Cirillo. They are a part of our ministry in Texas, and they're launching a brand new church next weekend. And I told him um, that I would take a moment today and introduce you to him, and I want to ask you to do something this week. If if you can remember, would you please um, pray for for Pastor Ephraim and his family as they launch this church? I don't know if you've ever been a part of a new church plant. I've done it twice. It's a lot of work. The goal is just to get out there and reach people who don't know Jesus, and um, they've just got so much happening this week, and they just need our prayers. And then next Sunday morning while we're worshiping, they're going to be getting ready because they're an hour behind. And once we finish, they're about to start. So just want to cover them in prayer. In fact, if we could do it, I'd like to just pray for them right now this moment. Could we do that? Father, I thank you so much for faith that it takes to plant a church. Lord, to go into a new location where you don't know a lot of people and and to just begin sharing the gospel and telling people about you. And Lord, all of that gospel sharing, all of the ministry they've been doing in the community, all the startup parties that they've had, all of these things are coming to bear next weekend. And Lord, I pray that you would give him a special word, that you would just bless the location where they're meeting, that you would just bring lots of people to come to Merge Church to hear about Jesus where their story and your story merge together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pray for them this week, will you? Well, we are, uh, we're finishing up a, a series today that we've entitled, I Choose. You know, we make lots of choices. We've said that all along during the series. And your choice is important. Your choice is important to you. It's important to your family. It's important to those you work with, that you live with. It's important to our country. Your choices are important to the kingdom of God. And I thank you for being the kind of person who wants to make the right choices. 
In this series, we've talked about some choices that, that, you, that we've been asking you to make. One of those choices is that you would live an extraordinary life by pursuing relentlessly the calling that God has placed in your life. In doing so with spiritual authority. And when you know your calling, then you can live on purpose in a way like no other can because you're not going to be distracted by other things like popularity, by what people think or how people want to influence you. When you make that choice, then you can begin to live your life with what we called principled, open-handed generosity. Just out of the flow of your purpose and your calling, you can just give to others, not just financially, but, but with your time and your talents. And then when that's done, the, the sustaining power of all of that is, is living for Jesus in relationship, not just out of religion. Well, this morning, um, we're going to wrap up this series because not only are you making choices, but you need to know about a choice that God made. This morning, we're also going to do something different. Slides related to the sermon, I'm, there's not going to be in the scripture on the slide. There's not going to be a, a quote or a note uh, from me. But instead, throughout the course of this message, twice, these slides are going to loop. And these slides are another way to hear the story that God wants to share with you. So I told someone before the service, if you're ADD, you're going to really like today because there's a lot going on. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writes some, some very important words. Now, remember in Ephesians chapter 1 that the, the first words of this text are really a, a, form, of a, it's a form of greeting. Um, and, and Paul is saying some kind words to the, the audience that, that he's about to read. It's kind of like when you meet somebody and you walk up to them and you say, Hey, how are you doing? You look really good today. You know, uh, you're, that dress you're wearing, that suit you're wearing really becomes you. You know, you're saying some nice things about them and, and referring to your relationship. That's kind of what Paul is, is doing here in these first verses. But even in his greeting, he's teaching us some important things about choices. Let's begin in verse, uh, in verse number 3. Just going to read three or four verses here. Paul begins by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God is telling us in this passage of Scripture that, that He has been giving to us and He is blessing us, that He is pouring into our lives in ways that are so amazing. And in verse 4 it says, even, all these blessings are from heavenly places, even as, notice the choice, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Did you see God's choice? He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Why did He choose us? The Bible tells us that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption. That word adoption is, a, is another choice word. God chose us before the foundation of the world, and He chose to adopt us and bring us into His family through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Do you see the choice that, that God was making? His choice was you. 
His choice was you. Now, it's interesting, the, the word choice here. I, I, like, the, I, like, what, I like how we, we understand it when we look in the original language because the word choice here means that the choice is the point of origin. It's the point of origin. So when the Bible tells us that God chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, what God is saying is that He chose us before we could ever respond with our own choice. That the point of origin of everything that is spiritual, of every blessing that comes into your life, that always comes from Him first. It's not from us, but it is from Him. In fact, not only does He say that, but it tells us in the text that, that He chose us for adoption. Adoption is, is when we are fatherless, motherless, and someone says, I'll take them. I'll bring them into my family. I'll make them a part of, of who I am, of, of my family. I'll give them my name. I'll give them my resources. That's what adoption is. So God chose you before the foundation of the world that he might bring you into his family, that you would receive his name, and that you would be the recipient of every good thing that God has to give to you. I think that's pretty cool. Tells us in John chapter 15, Jesus said this, that you did not choose me, but I chose you. In John 6, 65, it also says this, no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Here's the point. God chooses us before we ever choose him. In fact, God has chosen us before we even knew about him. God's choice was already working in our lives. But in order for us to fully appreciate what we're talking about this morning, let's look at this from a, a couple different perspectives. Well, here's the first perspective that I want you to catch. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Otherwise, just listen carefully. Perspective number one is, is that the value of choice isn't because the object of choice is worthy. The value of choice isn't because the object of choice is worthy. Let, let, me, let, me, give it, let me illustrate it this way. On, on September, hang on, how many, how many days are in January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September? There's 30 days in September. I, I, that's, that's how I know. I forgot to look it up. In September, the last days of September, when I was in college, 1983, last days of September, 1983, this, this, this beautiful young girl comes up to me and asks me to go on a date with her. Now, you need to understand, it's not because she was real forward or a vixen or anything like that. Because we were at a Christian college, and even in 1983, in some Christian colleges, it wasn't, it, it wasn't really acceptable for girls to ask guys out on dates. I hear it happens now all the time. I don't know. I hadn't been asked out on a date in a while. So I, so I don't know. But we were having this thing called, and some of you guys in here are going to remember this, we had this weekend that the Christian school dubbed Sadie Hawkins Weekend. Does, any, does anyone remember that? Some of you are saying, wow, that brings back memories couple of years, I was there when they started that. 
But Sandy Hawkins weekend at our Christian, our conservative Christian university was the one weekend when the normal rules were set aside and girls could ask guys out onto a date. And so as it turns out, my wife, uh, who was the one who ultimately asked me on that date, she had visited the dorm rooms because we also had in conjunction with that, we had, a, we had a, an evening when the girls could come and tour the guys' dorms to see what we live like. And then there was a night when the guys could tour the dorm to see what the girls live like. It was all chaperoned and everything. And my wife, here's, here's her story. I really wish she could be up here, but, but um, I'm not going to let her. Because see, when you have the microphone, you control the story. So my wife, uh, this is what she tells me, is that she came in, she's, in the, she's looking the dorm and all that kind of stuff, and I was uh, playing foosball and, and doing all of that, and the girls were coming in, so eventually I meandered back around to my room, and she says she walked into my room, and she noticed that my side of the dorm room was absolutely clean. My roommate's side wasn't. He just threw everything in the closet and did the best he could, and the closet doors open, clothes were coming out. But my side of the room was, was clean because I'm, I'm a little bit of a, of a, of a neat freak. And uh, she said when she walked in, it smelled really good because I used cologne. My, my roommate didn't. And then when she looked at my desk, she said my desk was clean, and my roommate's wasn't. And she had the audacity. Can you believe this? She had the audacity to open a file drawer of mine. A nosy girl. But what she noticed was everything was filed alphabetically and in order. She was so impressed. So a friend of hers told her about me. Long story short, she decided, she decided that she just, of all the young men in the whole campus, she decided she had to have this. I'm not sure if she would make that decision again, but once was enough. So she asked me on a date, and we went out on a date. It was a great time together, and, and, and this is the true story. I'm not making a joke. It, the date was so good that the next morning I was in the hospital. She took me to a restaurant, and I got food poisoning, and the next day I'm just... <laughs> so I tell people all the time, my first date with my wife put me in the hospital, so... But here's the thing. She chose me. She chose me. Now, I guarantee you, there were better looking guys on campus. There were. There were better looking guys. There were smarter guys on campus. There were. There were guys who had more money than I did on campus. There were guys who, if you could name any category any category whatsoever, there was a guy on campus who was better in that category than me. Except one. The interest factor. Now, when, when you're just dating, there's the interest factor. But eventually, that moves to love. And she chose me. Not because of any worthiness that I had, as the object of her love, it, it wasn't that, that I was just so awesome that she had to have me. But for whatever reason, she was interested and intrigued by me. It's in, there's, a, there's a passage of Scripture 
in John chapter 1, verse 12 and, and 13, it, it kind of goes along with this idea that, that the value of choice isn't because the object of choice is worthy. And it says this, it says, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave them the right to become children of God, who were born not because of their, their bloodline, or the will of their flesh, not because they made the choice, nor even other will, but because of God's choice. You see, here's the thing is, when God chose you, He didn't do so because there was something in you that was so valuable that He had to choose you over everybody else. Now, I know we like to talk about how valuable we are in the eyes of God, and we are. But in God's plan, He could choose somebody else. But He chose you. Not because of your value in terms of your skill, your ability, and all those things, but simply because of your value to Him. I think that's awesome. And here's the second perspective that we need to hear this morning, and that is that choice is more about the lover than the loved. Do you know that? God's choice of you is more about His ability to love than it is about your ability to be loved. It's God's lovingness that made the choice to you. Now in the 1800s, in mid to late 1800s, there was a, a favorite philosopher of mine. And, and philosophers during that period are always kind of, you know, they're kind of Albert Einstein-ish, a little bit all over the map from time to time, but there was this Danish philosopher whose name was Soren Kierkegaard. Now, Soren Kierkegaard was a Christian existentialist, and by Christian, maybe not in an evangelical sense, but Christian and believer of God and uh, committed to, to Christ in his own cultural way. But he was, uh, he, he was always exploring. One of his things was he always wanted to explore this relationship between the divine and man. How is it that God could, could be this and man could be this? How does that relationship work? Well, one time, Soren Kierkegaard wrote, he wrote a little parable. And, and I love the parable because it's, it, it illustrates this, this idea of, of the lover and the loved. And I love the parable because the first line, the first line of the parable says this. This line is, well, just captures me anyway. He says, suppose there was a king who loved a humble maiden. Isn't that a great line? Isn't that the kind of line where you just say, well, what's next? What follows? What, what, comes, what comes after that? Well, here, here's the story as, as, Cork, as, as Soren Kierkegaard tells it. He says that, that this king was like no other. In fact, he says that the king was so great that statesmen would tremble in his presence. This king was, was so powerful that no one ever dared utter a word against him because he had the power with one snap of his fingers to break you in two. And one day, this powerful king saw a humble maiden and he fell in love. But you see, this king had a problem. Because how could this powerful king, Kierkegaard asked, how could this king ever truly express his love for this humble maiden? Because if, if, if he brought the humble maiden to his palace, 
it would overwhelm her. If he, if he clothed her with fine clothing and put fine jewelry around her neck and, and on her finger, she wouldn't resist him. No one resisted him. How could he ever know that she truly loved him? You see the dilemma? The very power he possessed handicapped him. And Kierkegaard writes, so one day, the, the, the solution came to him. He decided that he would renounce his throne, put on the garb of a servant. He would go to her village, and there he would claim his love. Now in this story, when he reclaims and renounces his right to his kingdom. He is taking a chance that she will still say no. But he initiates, he goes to her and he expresses this love for her. And see, as Soren Kierkegaard writes this parable, there's a verse of scripture that's in the back of his mind. This scripture says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But notice what he did. Notice what the king of kings did. He made himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of man. Do you see what this all-powerful king did? Rather than continuing to reside in heaven, Jesus in the council of the Trinity came to the earth in the form of a servant, and in the form of Jesus who was born of Mary, who was born in a, in a little town, who lived in an obscure life in an obscure country, who died a death for you and I. And the Scripture says, in being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, that's what the king did. And what we need to understand from that is, is it's the lover. It's God as lover of you and God as lover of me that makes the difference. It's not about how much I love him because truthfully, until God comes first to me and takes away the scales from my eyes, I can never see the love that he has for me. I can never see it. I can never experience it. I can never appreciate it. But when Jesus died on the cross, that's what He did for you and I. And there's a third perspective I want to leave you with this morning that we need to understand when we think about God's choice of you. I think this is really significant. Sometimes it's undervalued and underappreciated, but it's this. God's love for you and for me it's continual. It's continual. The other day I was uh, in my office. Not, not the one here at the church building, but the one at Panera. Because if, if you ever need counseling, don't call the office. Go to Panera. No. I do tend to, I do tend to be there a lot. I, I used to joke with the staff that I, would, I had to leave the building and go somewhere in order to get any work done. So I go to Panera, and when I get to Panera, you're all there. It's 
It's great to see you, though. But I was in Panera the other day, and I was actually, what was so ironic, I was actually working on my thoughts for this morning. I was sitting there, and I was, uh, I think that day I was eating a Caesar salad and an apple, and um, drinking Diet Pepsi, of course. And as I was sitting there, there was this scene that unfolded right before my eyes. There is this woman who was pushing her husband into Panera. And she pushed him over to this table. She got him all situated, made sure that he was comfortable and he was, he was tucked in just right, right distance, you know, from the table and, and all of those things. She went up, she ordered, and, and then she brought the food and she set the food down on the table. An older couple. And she was, she was preparing the food you know, adjusting it and, and all of those things, blowing on his soup a little bit and, 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 and you know, just preparing to feed him. She, and she was doing this without any fanfare, just going through the business, going through the motion of doing this. And as I was watching her, I'm wondering in my mind, I wonder how many times she has done this for him. How many times has, and how many meals has she loved him the way she's loving him right now? And I'm telling you, as I was sitting there, it was like it was like the Spirit of God was saying to me, Tim, that's the way I love you. I love you in the midst of your infirmities. I love you when, when, when you're sick and when you're well. I love you when you make great choices and when you make some bad choices. Tim, I, I just want you to know I'm, I'm there all the time. The Bible tells us that God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. That God's love is true and it is strong. It's reliable. It's dependable. And He will always be there for us. When I saw that picture, my heart melted. Because not only was this woman loving her husband the way God loves us, but it affirmed to me that right now, right in that seat in Panera, right on this stage right now, and right where you're sitting, that God is loving you with a love like you can never imagine or believe. You see, God made a choice. Thousands and thousands of years ago, when God was in heaven, He made a choice. And that choice erupted into this world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In chapter 2, God made another choice. God said that He made man, male and female, He made them. God made a choice to make human beings. We skip over a few chapters, and when the world had gone awry, when, when the world was lost in their sinfulness and their waywardness, it was so bad that God said He wanted to destroy the whole world, that God said, I want to kill all the wickedness, but I love man enough that I'm going to save eight people. I'm going to put them on an ark, and I'm going to start again. God did that. God made another choice in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. God comes to Abraham and He says, Abraham, I love my people so much. I have a special people that I'm calling out of this world and I want you to be the leader to make a great nation. And God made a choice. He said, Abraham, look at the stars in the sky and if you can count them, that's the number of, star that's the number of people that my people will be. God made a choice that he would leave a, a, a little boy by the name of, a young man, teenager by the name of Jacob. He would leave him in Egypt as, as, a, as, a, set, as a, a placeholder for when the people of God would need them. Then God rose up another man by the name of Moses, a man who didn't want to, to help the people of Israel because he has so many excuses. But God chose him to deliver his people in Israel. 
And as he delivered them, he took them to the promised land. And then God raised up a young teenager as well by the name of David who made this kingdom called the nation of Israel. And then when Israel started going awry as well, once again, that, they, that God loved the people so much that he made a choice and he sent prophets to remind them of their waywardness, to remind them of their sin, to call them back from all the evil things they were doing and back into a relationship with him. And then God made another choice that, that, that he sent his child to be birthed through a, a woman by the name of Mary. And that was Jesus. And then God made another choice for you. God made a choice that this same Jesus who would grow up would go to the cross and he would die on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins. And then God made another choice that he would leave the spirit behind who would empower the, the apostles and the disciples so that they could build God's church. And then God made another choice that he would bring leaders throughout the last 2,000 years who would preserve the church. They would preserve the church so that on this Sunday, on this Sunday, that God's choice could be yours. That's God's choice could be yours. God has been from the very beginning until this moment, God has been making choices and those choices are you. What God does, He is doing for you. And this morning, I want to ask you, I want to be bold enough this morning to ask you that if you have never made the choice for Jesus, I want you to know He has already chosen you. And He wants you this morning. He loves you. He has done everything He can to bring you to Him. Some of the trials that some of you are facing right now are there. And the lesson you need to learn from those trials is that Jesus can help you if you'll let Him. For some of us this morning, we're, we're struggling with our faith. Things have happened and, and we're losing the, the shine off of all that we knew about Jesus. But somehow, God is saying to you, come, come, come to me. For some of you, you have never ever accepted Jesus Christ, but right now, right now in this moment, you know, you know that you have a choice that you need to make. God has already chosen you. God has already extended His hand to you. And right now in this moment, God is asking you to be His child. Let me close with this last illustration. Winston Churchill, um, when, when he passed away, he had already designed his funeral service, and being former prime minister of, of the United Kingdom, he, had a, he had, a, had a state funeral. And at this state funeral, they had stately hymns, he had these grand hymns that he had chosen that would be sung. He had someone who would give the eulogy. It was a beautiful service. But Winston Churchill did something different at the very end that surprised everybody. When the service was closing, when the service was closing, from behind in the back of the auditorium, a trumpet began to play. Dun, dun, dun. 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 There's this long pause. The audience thought, taps, what a, what a way for a former prime minister to conclude his funeral. But then after this long pause, another trumpet at the back of the facility went off. 
it was reveling. It was reveling. What Winston Churchill was saying is, in this moment, I have died. And in this moment, I have been resurrected to eternal life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. My brothers and sisters, is there anyone here today who wants to live? That the last song of your life would not be taps, but it would be reveling. Here's what I want to ask you to do this morning. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask you a question. Then we're going to sing a little bit. Then I'm going to come back and ask you one more question. The question I want to ask this morning, that I feel that God is, is asking to us. It's been burning on my heart. The question that I think God wants to ask today is, are you ready to receive Him? He's already made His choice. It's you. Not because you're worthy. Not because of anything that you've done. Not even... Because your sin has been so black, you may think. But God is choosing you because He loves you. As we sing a verse of this song, I want you to think about that. Are you yet ready yet to receive Him? After we sing a verse, I want to come back and ask one more question. I take the bread of life Broken for all my sin Your body crucified To make me whole again I will recall the cup Poured out in sacrifice to trade this sinner's aid for your new covenant. Hallelujah. I live my life in remembrance. promise I won't forget. So this morning, the question I want to ask is, not only are you ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but will you do it now? So here's what I want to ask us to do for just a, for just a moment. I want to ask us all, everyone in here, to bow our heads. Sometimes we ask people to declare their faith by walking forward to an altar, but today we're going to do something different. I'm going to ask you to declare your faith by raising a hand. The way we'll do this is, is in a moment I'm going to ask you if you're ready to receive Christ. And if you are, all I want you to do is just to raise your hand and hold it up for 10 seconds. And that 10 seconds will be the most powerful 10 seconds of your life because it's going to change the trajectory of your life. And then we're going to pray for you. We're not going to, we're not going to do anything manipulative. We're not going to ask you to come forward. We're not, going to, we're not going to do anything else. We're just going to ask, that, ask you to raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, is there anyone here this morning who would like to say, I want to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior today? If so, would you raise your hand? There are many around the auditorium today who have made that decision. You're making an eternal decision. And that is awesome. Amen. Let me pray for those who raised their hand. Father, and you can pray with me on this. Father, I thank you for those who raised their hand. Lord, we know, they know that they need you. And they chose to receive you, God. And I thank you for that choice. Lord, as they experience new faith, as they've made this commitment, God, help them to stand strong. The evil one will try to lure them away. The evil one will try to take the seed, that, the good seed that's been sown in their life and, and to kill it. But God, you want them to live. Thank you for each and every one who's raised their hands. In Jesus' name. If you did raise your hand this morning, um, a great thing for you to do next would be to get one of those black welcome cards. They're, they're in the pews in front of pew chairs in front of you, pockets there. If you don't have one, you can find one in a chair around you. Here's what we'd like to ask you to do. You don't have to, but if you if you would feel so so bold as to do so, would you complete that card? And on that card, there'll be a place to say, I receive Christ. And if you give us your information, we would like to send you some information that will help you as you begin your journey in Jesus. You're starting. I mean, for those of you who, who raised your hand today, you, you are starting a life like no other that you've ever lived. Isn't that right, church? That's a, it's an amazing life. And so we're so proud of you, so thankful that you're able to do that. We're going to conclude with just this last verse. Let's just sing it out together in, in praise and celebration for all that Jesus has done. Let's sing. I'll walk salvation's road With fear and trembling Your way born as my own As Christ is formed in me Hallelujah I'll live my life Hallelujah, your promise I won't forget. If ever I should lose my way, if ever I deny your grace, remind me of the price you paid. Hallelujah.
for you if not for you you've been so so good to me you've been so so good to me oh to think where i would be is not for you is not for you you've been so so As far as east is from the west, so far your grace has carried me. Until I see you face to face, until at last I've won my race, remind me you're not finished yet. Hallelujah. Lifted to him, and you've been so Here's what we want to do, and, and Pastor Tim was so great in explaining this. If you if you raise your hand, please fill that card out and uh, take it to Connection Point or take it to one of the prayer, uh, altar prayer partners up here. If you need prayer, 
you just want to know how to take that next step, we want to help you know how to take that next step with the Lord. But we celebrate with you. We're so grateful that you made that decision. It's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. And uh, please know the altars are still open. Um, if you need prayer for something, if you have a prayer need, if you have uh, something in your life uh, that you just uh, want someone to pray with you over, uh, our prayer partners will be more than willing, more than happy to, to pray with you and uh, love on you that way. Otherwise, God bless you. Have a blessed Sunday. Don't eat too much. God bless you.